Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. I feel like when the OGs do it, it's because you know they need that paper. They're, they they mm. sometimes are on that last leg, or it just makes sense. It's like, bro, I'm fifty. I could use fifty million. That ain't <laughs> right. that's, that's a great thing, right? So yeah. But I think the younger you could do it, like if you could build up a catalog that's big enough and and effective enough to be able to do that sale early and then create a whole new line of catalog that you own, you won. You played the game well. Back in that, back in that bag again. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. hey guys, we're back with another episode of Making the Boss. This week, I speak to rapper and entrepreneur La Russell about his music, being independent, his good company business that helps other independent artists maneuver in the game, and so much more. He also gives great financial tips to young artists coming up. Listen here. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Good, good. I know you have a busy day, so I appreciate you, you know, talking to me for a little bit. It's all good. We got <laughs> I do want to learn more about you because I know you're still, you know, rising and up and coming. And I know you have so many other things that you have working on, like that you're working on aside from just making music. I know you also have like, you know, your own business, good company. I want to talk about all that. And yeah, we can just dive right in. So for people who aren't aware of who you are just as of yet, who is La Russell? Can you describe your type of artistry? Uh, indescribable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, uh, I don't know how you would describe it. I'm a, a, a very rangy human. Um, the conscious rap I call it life rap I think that's the best way to describe the kind of art that I produce life rap, life music I write a lot of R&B, I write a lot of pop but it's all centered around life experiences and, and things that you encounter and have to go through on your journey in this world so life music is the best way to describe it um, Good Company okay. is a collective I've established and it's filled with just creatives and artists and people who want to do dope shit together and we all get together and come up with crazy ideas and execute them in front of the world and for the world to kind of benefit and we help artists that are on the way up that was in the same position we was in and we supply them with resources and support and we outside in the hood and we feeding people and we buy out the taco spot people get to pay what they want you know, mm-hmm. I built a venue in the backyard so we can have our own infrastructure and we do shows every first Sunday of the month back here and they sell out and people travel to Vallejo from all over the world to get that experience. Um, and outside of that, I'm just a regular human. I like to play pickleball <laughs> and tennis and pick up my daughter and, you know, the, <laughs> the, the basics. I love that. I love that. So good company, like, you, you described a lot of the things that it does, but what was the inspiration behind launching it? Um, just a lack of resource, really. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't never knew what it would become. I just really liked the name. So I just started doing things and putting it under that channel. And um, I didn't know it would become what it is today. I just started doing everything I needed to do that I didn't have access to doing. And it slowly became what it is now. Mm-hmm. 
So you said that um, basically it helps artists who were in the position that you were in. How exactly does it do that? Like, what are the services you provide? Um, Every service necessary for an artist to be cultivated and thrive and have their own independent career. So um, there's artists that I find that I love. And um, some are at a level where it's like, okay, I'm not super involved, but I want to assist, right? So I'll do content with them. I'll help them make visualizers or live sessions or anything they need to just kind of get their art more exposure. And then there's Mm -hmm. some artists I find where I love at a deeper level and I'm like, I need to help. I need to be a bit more involved because this is important. I can hear it in the music. And for those artists, I'll bring them in and help them find beats and work with producers. I'll write songs for them. We mix and master their stuff. We just give them a home and a space to create. We help them roll out albums and help with marketing ads. I put money up behind them, just whatever is necessary. Mm -hmm. I love that because I feel like a lot of independent artists, you know, being independent alone, I feel like is really scary because you you're basically like betting on yourself. So the fact that you're, you know, assisting however, any way you can, that's, I think that'll mean a lot to, you know, the artists because they, they're looking for someone to guide them. Right. So Right. And you always want help from the people that you've seen do it or the people that, you know, really done it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to get your information from source. Right. From people that you've seen be successful. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so you being an independent artist yourself, um, do you first off, do you think it's easier or harder to be independent considering that you have your own company? Um, for me, it's it's easy because it's the only thing I know. It's like, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> you know, it's like it's only hard to you if you don't know how to walk just yet. But um, mm-hmm. for me, it's easy because I have I have everything I need to get the job done. But there's also still hurdles. Sometimes there's projects that come up where we're like. Oh, this would um, be cool to have a partner or someone that has the the ability to just make a call and you have a song on radio versus having to do the whole process and the run and whining and dining people, you know. So mm-hmm. um, I think I think the the you know every every path has ease to it. It depends on your perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So has making music always been something that you personally wanted to do growing up? Um. I believe so. I mean, it's something I've always just done in the background of life. Um, I didn't, I didn't really, it kind of chose me. Um, I didn't really, it wasn't like an intentional pursuit. I just really enjoyed doing it. And, and, you know, it luckily it became Mm -hmm. fruitful. Yeah. So what are the, I guess, what's the best and worst thing about being, you know, in the industry and being a rapper in today's age? <laughs> um, I'm not really in the industry, so... Right, or being I, in music. I, yeah, um, probably the best thing is, like, you get to meet all the people that, that you used to listen to or, or witness on their journey and see their rise, and, you know, you kind of get to meet some of your idols, and you get to meet other cool, creative people that are great at what they do that made it to a certain level in their craft as well, which is always mm-hmm. really cool. Um, 
the the bad is just um uh the same bad that exists in life just people that that don't have your best interests or even their own best interests just people that don't have the greatest ethics you know um mm-hmm. that have a lot of stake in the culture and a lot of infrastructure built within the culture you know who monopolize it um but that exists everywhere you know the good mm-hmm. is 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 reflective in every field yeah you have to have the bad with the good unfortunately <laughs> yeah um so I I listen to your music and a lot of it to me has like a lot of melody and I kind of feel like you listen to R and B a lot. Is that true from from yes, your sir. music? Yes, sir. And a lot of R and B, a lot of Afro beats. Yeah, yeah, I could tell because like again, it's very like melodic and like I know I feel like you're listening to like R and B, Afro beats, maybe some reggae. You know, once in a while, like is that intentional with your music or is that just natural because that's what you listen to a lot anyway? Yeah, it's just what I enjoy. Um, yeah, it just sounds the best <laughs> right now. I listen to a lot of everything, and um, yeah, more so a lot of like soul and R and B, just because like hip hop isn't really stimulating to me, like. Mm-hmm. You know, lately, lately, it's seldom that I'll find some hip hop I love unless it's like something from way back that I'm listening to. So, yeah, I kind of just grab and I'll be like skating and chilling. So, you know, like <laughs> he kind of compliments that. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely tell from your music. And you also but you also like rap rap, like you also freestyle, too. So that's you you're very well-rounded for sure (laughs) yeah I like to think I'm one of the greats (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes that's really dope so um I guess my question another question I would have for you is you know a lot of artists whether they're old artists or new artists they tend to get you know taken advantage of in music um because they're not so business savvy in terms of like what to do what not to do to make sure the they get their money that they're you know working hard for so do you have any stories about like anything that you know happened to you or almost happened to you but you were lucky enough to you know have the knowledge to like move better yeah I mean um I've gotten offered several deals that were kind of um unfavorable that were a bit a bit predatory in nature Mm -hmm. but you know any anyone offering to help you um, is, I guess, a plus because they don't have to. But yeah, there's been some offers that are a bit predatory in in, in nature, via my perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I read a lot of business books early, um, just Good. as I was navigating. So, and I'm a I'm a I'm a question you to death, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> if you don't have if you don't have answers to the things I'm asking, then that's already a red flag. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very easy to get taken advantage of in this industry because um, because the terms are attached to money, right? Mm-hmm. And when you attach when you attach when you attach predatory terms to a resource that someone really needs to change their life or to change their condition, it's very hard for them to see what's behind the money, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like starving, and someone puts food in the middle of the table, and you, you yeah. Know, I want to fucking eat, but they're like, but once you eat that, (laughs) you feel me? So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. 
So what are some pitfalls that new artists can look out for, in your opinion? Um, in terms of? In terms of, you know, signing with the right team or having the right team or the right people around them when they're, you know, trying to grow. It's very important to establish people around you that either really care about you or really care about themselves, right? And, and, mm. and the journey, because those are the people who are going to get it done no matter what. The people who are kind of nonchalant and they're okay if this doesn't work and okay if that doesn't work and okay if maybe this or though you need people that are like, no, I'm going to make this shit happen regardless. And that's something to really look out for because early as an artist, especially whenever you get like a viral moment, everyone comes. Everyone's mm-hmm. by yourself. Everyone's like, man, I, yeah. I want to help, you know? And that mm-hmm. shit don't be real. It's a facade. So it's important to have just a great gauge of character and awareness. Um, it's important to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And that don't mean you got to, you know, release every day and all this shit. But it, consistency is just like doing something well often. Like if you love it, get in there and do it. Get it done. Try to become great at it. You know, the greater you are at your craft, the higher chances of success you have. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's easy. you know, you do something six times a day and most people do it once. You got the edge, you know, and a lot of artists aren't setting themselves up to have that edge or that advantage. Um, perfecting your craft is very mm-hmm. important. I go yep. to a lot of live shows and I see a lot of, perform- I'm on a lot of festivals and I'll see artists that are like, you know, they're getting... <laughs> 40 50,000 for a set and the show sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like important to really work on your craft and have something to where people want to buy tickets for and support. Um mm-hmm. and then just learning, learn everything, learn everything about what you want to do. And and that you know that one's also is like a it's a teeter yeah. because I'm also one of those people who believe like Everything isn't for everyone. Some people are just really creative and they need to focus on that. But if that's your thing, you need to make sure you find people to carry the other pieces and do the other parts that you could really trust. Yeah. Like I was interviewing a couple weeks ago, I was interviewing Blast and his ego business partners. And he said like the same thing because he's, you know, he's the creative, he's the artist, but then he hired people who he knew could, you know, take care of business Mm -hmm. and he really and he knew them before he really like blew up so that helps you know make him trust them more so I feel like as a person coming up it's very vital if you know your strengths and weaknesses then you you know hire accordingly you know exactly teams win rings yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so for major labels I have a theory like it's It's interesting. I have a theory that, you know... Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. 
Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Back in the day, independent artists were kind of frowned upon, you know, if they weren't signed to like a major label. But nowadays, I feel like there's been a shift and people are like, looking at being independent as more the way to go or more trendy. Would you agree with that at all? Um, kind of. I think it's the same as back then. Like Birdman and Master P and Uncle Luke were revered as independent pioneers. Like mm-hmm. E-40 is revered too short as an independent. They were making a million dollars without anyone's help, you know? Like yeah. it, it wasn't anything to frown upon. And now I think it's the same. I think it's frowned upon if you're unsuccessfully independent. If you're successfully okay. independent, then it's created <laughs> and like, yeah, the end it, right? So it yeah. just depends on how well of an independent you are. Um, I don't, I'm an advocate for independency when necessary and when, when executed successfully. You know, if you don't, if you don't have the will or the grit or the information, you know, and someone's offering you something good to amplify what you're doing, then you might want to take that opportunity. But if you, if it's in you, like independence for me is just in me. Like I, I, like I said, I know no other way. Like I can't, Mm -hmm. it bothers my soul when I'm in a situation (laughs) that's not, that's not aligned, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's in you, it's in you, it's independent, you know, but it's not in you go and sign with the major and that might be more advantages. You know, you could become a superstar faster and it's a different route route, you know, like um, everyone, everyone doesn't want to be impactful. And I think that's something that independence is about. Independence is about impact. It's a, it's a different kind of stance on what's going on. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna, that was a good follow-up because I was going to ask if you think all artists are even capable of being independent I personally no. don't, but yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not, right? Like every yeah. player in the NBA won't make it to the playoffs and won't win a ring, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're any, like they're all really good, but they all won't win. You know, yeah. I mean, some of us will win, and those are the ones who really got it, who understands it, who's going to build a great team, who's going to work and practice all day. You know, like it's for a certain player, it's for a certain caliber of artist to be indie. Um, and yeah, and I don't think it's a necessity for every artist, right? If you're an artist who makes incredible pop songs and they, you know they'll do well on radio and, and, you know, they have proper terms to support that, then it's like, go be a pop star. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have, to, yeah. <laughs> have to put yourself through that. So, And that's something that I had to learn, you know? Like, I used to feel anti-label, but I'm not anti-label now, you know? I'm anti trash people and, and trash agreements mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i like that um so i heard well i actually read this that at one point fans were able to receive royalties of your music still Is that still how how does yeah. that work cuz i've never heard that that's that's great but like i've never a heard of, something like that a lot of people have like if you've been in the industry, you may have heard of a term called master points. Master points is basically mm-hmm. the total percentage of a record, you know, the revenue that's created. When you make a song, there's 100% of revenue 
that that's established that could be divvied on the master side. And mm-hmm. usually in record labels, they used to you'll hear producers say, "Oh yeah, I got a point on that record," or in A and R say, "I got a point on that record." That means okay. they got two percent of a song or three percent, four percent. Artist royalty deals, they'll say, "Oh, I have eight points." That's eight percent of whatever created. So. With that, um, since I'm independent, I control the entire 100%. So I just decided to divvy that 100% between my family and the people who helped me create the art. And then when I have excess, I'll just let fans buy it. Or sometimes I'll give away percentages to fans. I have a um, membership called a gold card and the first artist membership where people could just, you'll get random royalties and songs and you can come to whatever show you want. But basically I just took all the master points and I divvied them out and let people purchase them as well. So if you have a favorite song, you can reach out and say, hey, I'd like to collect this percent of it. And you can collect that percent in a perpetuity. That's really cool. What made you want to do that with your fans? Uh, Man, I just felt like it would be cool if you'd be able to make money while you support someone, right? Like mm-hmm. um, I probably own like 30 pairs of Crocs. And mm-hmm. I own stocking Crocs, but it's not the same, you know, but mm-hmm. it's like every time I bought a pair of Crocs, I was making a percentage. That'd be really cool. Or, you know, some people play these songs thousands of times. Like at the end of the year, you know, you get a Spotify rap report and some people mm-hmm. listen to the music 10,000, 20,000 times. And it's like, what if you made some money every time you did that for the mm-hmm. rest of your life? I mm-hmm. thought it was just a cool thing. So it was like, let's do it, you know? Yeah, I love that. I feel like you're someone who's more of a helper, like you really care about, you know, helping other people grow, you know, get better. Would you say we've always had that, you know, helping, assisting personality? Definitely. Man. It's hard to be impactful if you don't really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certain. I mean, and I was kind of, I was kind of, bred in that role so to say like my pops was a hustler and he did a lot of business and he always kind of integrated me in the flow of things I've always assisted in some point you know and um that was big for me coming up when I was early on and I got my first studio I always assisted other artists and letting them record so I was able to get a lot of my skills up just by being helping someone else get further in their journey and even some of my early viral moments came from me helping another artist with their art and getting their shit underway. And that led to me having my moments. So definitely it's just interwoven. That's really cool. It's so funny because um, I was just thinking about, you know, like, you know, music ownership, royalties, publishing, like, you know, everything that into, that goes into music and I was watching this interview a couple weeks ago with Simba. I don't know if you watched it, but he was basically talking about royalties and saying, um, like, for him, he doesn't think that some people should own their publishing yet if their music isn't making, like, or isn't as successful yet as they would like it to be. What are your thoughts on that? Because I also spoke to Blast and his team, and they said, actually the point of owning your publishing is to help, you know, to make it money. So think, two different uh, sides. Yeah, I've heard that argument a lot. And I think with with it depends on the type of artist you are and what you want. Um mm-hmm. Simba doesn't own his to to speak on it, right? So as someone mm-hmm. who doesn't own it, it's just he's gonna lean towards that side more because he haven't seen the benefits of owning it. 
I okay. own all my masters in publishing. So every single month I get paid from it. Right. And it's like it may not be worth something at the time. Like when I first started getting all my publishing and masters in, it was worth nothing. I wasn't getting no streams. But now every single month I pay bills, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I care of my family. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree. Um, but I think I think there's a halfway point. I think if there's an opportunity for you to create something without ownership, but have a stake in it, that's a great opportunity to take. But I also think if there's an opportunity for you to create something that you own and have stake in for the rest of your life, that's an even grander opportunity. So mm. it's all about leveraging, uh, leveraging those things, right? If you do something with someone, then you can't expect to own it all, but you should always own some. Some artists don't own nothing and they're yeah. creating the art, right? So I, I'll never justify the argument of someone saying like, you shouldn't, you don't have to worry about <laughs> the art because I just don't agree. But yeah. I get why someone would think that way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so what's the most shocking thing about biz, the business of music that you've discovered in terms of just, you know, being in a position where you own your own music and your, your own, you know, masters, all that stuff. What's something that surprised you the most? Um, that people don't, that people who create the art that gets marketed and monetized and publicized and everything don't own it right mm -hmm. like that's a that's a very <laughs> that's a benign concept to me you know it's like the thing that they're pushing and i get it like as an artist you may not have the funding and the resource to push the song to make it massive but you made the song that they are making massive that mm -hmm. that is that is worth something they're not just taking any song they're taking the one you created so to me, that's like the um, the wildest, you know, thing that kind of goes on in music. But um, man, just just deals in general, knowing that um, there's no rules to a deal, but yet they have standard contracts, right? That they'll offer everyone and anyone, and that's such an interesting thing because I'm a completely different artist than someone else, but we'll get offered a very similar contract sometimes, and it's like. How does that make sense? I'm already selling out shows worldwide yeah. and I'm in the back, you know, things don't always make sense, but you know, there's standard things in music, which is crazy because everyone's different. Yeah. Do you see yourself one day like teaching like a college course or something? Cause there are some rappers who are doing that and I feel like no shade to them, but I feel like they don't have as much knowledge as you do, <laughs> you know, about Remember certain Remember what things. I was saying earlier about how you want to learn from Source, like people who did it? I mean, uh, we have a podcast called Free Game Friday that is okay. basically our college curriculum on music business and indie and, and just all all things creative, you know, and how mm. to navigate. So that's kind of my, my, that's my college course. That's really dope. So what do you teach there exactly? Just, you know, deals? So we, allow, we allow fans to send in questions. And we oh, answer cool. everything. So they ask everything from merch production and distribution to music distribution to publishing to uh, rollouts to, uh, to everything. We cover whatever they send in and ask. That's what we're going to cover. Sometimes we bring in guests that are also successful in whatever field they've done and we get their input and we get extra questions, but yeah, we, we, we answer what people want to know. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. So 
I guess, okay, so my question, next question would be, for someone who wants to be or is an aspiring artist, what should they expect their day-to-day to be if they want to, like, pursue music? Mm. Like, what should they be prepared for? It really depends on the kind of artist you are. I think starting, you need to create every art every day. I think that's a great starting point, right? If you're a singer, write a song every day. If you're okay. a rapper, write a rap every day. Um, and I think that's a great start, as many as you can. Like, record songs, because um, you get better as you do it more. You know, there's sometimes I'll find a new artist, and I'm like, where are the songs? And they only have four or five, <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, doesn't help. So it's like, do it every day. I think your day should consist of creating the art initially before you're even worried about anything else. You should just focus on getting the art done, like, you know, mm-hmm. every day. Um, yeah, and from that comes, you know, the craft and the ability. Like, starting is just a practice phase. Go look at whoever you think is the greatest and go see what they do and try to do it and perfect it on your own terms, your performance, your poise, and just creating your songs. I think that's the start. After that, then it opens the door into releasing and marketing and learning about distribution. But yeah, when you start, and I think the focus should be the art. Just just try to make great art. Make something you're really proud of first. Mm-hmm. And why do you think ownership and in- the industry is so important, maybe more more important for independent artists than, you know, people who are established. Because for someone like Nelly, like a few weeks ago, I don't know if you know, but he actually um, sold half of his catalog mm-hmm. um, for like 50 million. And to me, I thought that was kind of low, considering <laughs> like he had so many, you know, major hits. Um, you don't no. think it was low? No, because he didn't own those hits. Ah, oh. that's the thing. Like yeah. fifty million is based on his share, had yeah. whatever percent he was getting off of that. He didn't own, yeah. it. and that's why ownership is so important. Because the person who owns the song could sell that catalog for five hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> you feel me? It, yeah. It's as simple as that. Like. It's not even a discussion as to how important it is. You know it's important because when you sign a deal, they don't give it to you. So mm-hmm. clearly it's important that they want it. <laughs> They're holding on to it. It means something. If it wasn't that important, they'd be like, yeah, you can have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was like 50 million for Nelly. Like he had a lot of hits. So I like think, um artists like back then too, mostly damn near every artist who had a major label contract had a royalty deal. Which uh-huh. uh which the points on that could be anything from three to 15, like 15, if you were great and, you know, eight, seven, eight, if you were like, <laughs> oh, you might be something, right? So you think out of all those hits, he was retaining probably eight to 10% of that revenue. So yeah. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Yeah, that that's that's a pretty accurate note. That's actually a really good note. I think I think selling catalog is a great. I, I sell catalog now to fans, you know. Mm. But I think it's a genius idea, especially if you are able to create new moments. 
Like if you're someone who's still young, like Justin Bieber sold his, and that's genius because he could make an album tomorrow. Like he still actively makes music. So if you could still push it, it's it's great to just go get that revenue. And you're kind of like I said, you're relinquishing catalog that you didn't fully own anyway. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a good deal. Yeah, because even when Justin did it, I actually thought he was too young to do it. But then you have someone like Tina Turner who just did it like a few years ago before she passed. So I guess that made more sense. I think it's genius to do it younger because you still have career. Like DJ Mustard was genius. He sold all his and he started creating new ones. You end up getting a platinum zone with Roddy Rich right after that he (laughs) owns, you know, that he doesn't have to share a percentage in. So I think it's genius to do it younger because you can keep going. I feel like when the OGs do it, it's because, you know, they need that paper. They're, they mm. sometimes are on that last leg. Or it just makes sense. It's like, bro, I'm 50. I could use 50 million. That ain't, <laughs> right. that's, that's a great thing, right? So, yeah. But I think the younger you could do it, like if you could build up a catalog that's big enough and, and effective enough to be able to do that sale early and then create a whole new line of catalog that you own, you won. You, you, yeah. you played the game well, you know? Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. That makes sense. Yeah, because I also feel like, you know, back when Nelly was, you know, in his prime and all the older rappers, they didn't really think about ownership as much as we do today. You know, they just wanted to make He's music. And, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And that's what Simba was kind of talking about, right? Like, there's a trade-off, Right. Sometimes early it's like you can have ownership and and this kind of stagnates or or grows slower, or we could blow you up and we take ownership, but you get to become famous. You get to be Snoop Dogg, mm. right? So and, yeah. and it's like, yeah, Snoop Dogg didn't own the records, but he was Snoop Dogg. And that allowed yeah. him to, to generate hundreds of millions and create infrastructure far beyond. So yeah, it really depends on what you want and what you have going on. Like I said, I think if you're if you're an artist who don't have all that infrastructure built and the desirability, then yeah, it doesn't really matter much to you. But if you're someone who's feeding a collective of, of 20 plus people and building infrastructure at home and things like that, then it's important. You need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of me feels like the OGs, they might not admit it, but I think they might have, you know, maybe some more respect for the younger generation because we are more into like ownership and, you know, owning our work really where they, you know, of course they didn't think about it because hip hop was so new. It was just a new thing that, you know, they were getting into, but I feel like now they understand more because of us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like hip hop was new, but the record industry wasn't the record industry. And they knew that they didn't know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So where do you see yourself and your good company in the next three to five years? Retired, hopefully. (laughs) Retired in three to five years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like to just chill and play pickleball and tennis. And, you know, (laughs) I feel like, uh, you know, I was talking to Russ earlier and uh, we was having like a deep convo. And he was like, man, bro, for it to be so early in your career, you really made a dent in the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in terms of impact, um, I've done I've done more than than, you know, a lot of artists that we've seen reach that tier. I'm not um, I'm not super pressed on being like the 
the the weekend you know I'm, yeah I'm really uh i feel like the impact that i've had has been very important and pivotal to the culture and mm-hmm. uh you know i see my blueprint and i i hear the information being spread within the industry and my name is in all the same rooms so you know i feel like i've i've i've, I've done my work and i'm gonna keep building and for the next couple and then i could you know <laughs> That's cool. So you don't think you'll get into another lane, like maybe, I don't know, production, like music or not music, but like TV, film? Yeah, I got I got movies written and I got okay. I got two books that's been released. I'll be writing more. So, yeah, you know, I'll I'll probably be doing all those things in the background, but, you know, I won't have to. So I might, yeah. just, might not hear from me at all. <laughs> <laughs> you'll just be on an island somewhere just chilling. You know, I'll be home. I'll be home <laughs> taking care of the, the, the people that, you know, has helped cultivate all this. Right. Okay. So then my last question to you would be, what is your definition of a boss? Man. <laughs> this question always gets people, you know, <laughs> they're like, damn, I wasn't expecting this. But yeah. I mean, the, the, see, there's several instances, right? Yeah. Right? You have you have bosses. Your definition. Are... Your I, definition. I, I would like to say I'm one of those, right? So, in the the <laughs> boss at the form that I am, I think I think a boss is someone that um handles business, right? Like mm-hmm. when you when you think of someone who's getting it done and and paying all their employees and building infrastructure and creating new ideas and revolutionizing, you know, t- and just, just things that's happening. I mean, it, it's very hard to describe a boss. You just know one when you meet one and it's like, not really something you could tangibly put in words. Cause there's so many things you have to do to be a boss, right? Like a real boss. And then you have bosses like that you work for that are just assigned a role, you know, <laughs> Supervisor, the ones that you like, no, nah, that nigga a boss. You, know, like, you have to have leadership and and ethics and um, man, good judgment. You have to be able to to inform people and help people. Like you should have a bunch of bosses next to you. You know, you should have a bunch of people who are building sustainable things around you as well and putting them in positions to win. So it's mm-hmm. a a boss is just an all encompassing character. It's like, bruh. <laughs> do you think a lot of people just use that word loosely definitely like? for sure mm. for certain <laughs> for certain but it's because like it's it's kind of cool for people to think <laughs> they're a boss and, and and you know it's it's only cool for people to think they're a boss until they realize everything you have to do when you're the boss and it's like ah i'd rather just a check you know yeah <laughs> okay well thanks russell i enjoyed love russell i enjoyed speaking to you for sure Thank you for listening to this episode of Making the Boss. Trust me, there's a lot more where that came from, so be sure to keep it locked for more shows coming soon. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Aisha Thorpe and on IG at beauty underscore marked. That's M-A-R-K-E-D 92. Talk soon, my bosses and bosses in the making. 
If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.